0: A quick push for the fundraiser that is currently going on on my Facebook and Instagram accounts. If you understand about abuse and the (laughs) toll it takes on not just your past life, but your current, then I would just ask that you look at how you are not able to have the normal things of life and help me give a little bit of Christmas to those that you can relate to. If all of the listeners just give a little, then it doesn't take a lot to give Christmas to these abuse refugees. When I was in high school, I had a friend come up to me And he said, Mandy, you're naive. I'm like, what what are you talking about? And he says, you don't think that there's anything wrong in the world. And I said, what gives you that impression? And he said, well, you walk around like you don't know anything about hard things. And I kind of gave him a (laughs) a look that told him he was clueless and didn't know what he was talking about. And then I said, well, for your information, my brother is an addict alcoholic and we just got done with uh, drug rehab with him. And he also just got his girlfriend pregnant and he's getting married and he's not graduated from high school yet. And my grandpa is a raging alcoholic. And he looked at me and he said, but you don't carry it. I said, no, I don't. Why should I? Why should I walk into a room and announce that my life is miserable? What does that do for me or anybody else? Now, I get a lot of criticism for not knowing what I'm talking about or for sounding like I am complaining about things or for sharing too much information. Now, the problem with that is I come from abuse. And if I don't use my experience to help other people, then why did I go through it? What purpose does it have? Now, I didn't always know that I came from abuse. And sharing that I come from abuse is not pushing that I come from abuse. It isn't complaining about my life. It isn't that I haven't processed it. I have, which is why it doesn't show up very much because I don't carry it with me. I let it teach me. I let it, I use it to help other people. The, my form of therapy I call experiential It isn't the textbook experiential therapy that you hear about or read about. That type of therapy is where you help other people experience things in order to overcome things. When I was growing up, my mom would tell me, and other people, uh, that my older brother had to experience everything himself, that he couldn't learn from other people, that's just the way it was. Well, that's dumb. That's just an idiot, and I'm sorry, but that's the truth, because if you can't learn from other people's experience, and you have to experience all of it yourself, then you are not that smart. I can look around, and I can see what other people are going through, and I can learn lessons from their experiences as much as I can learn lessons from my own. When I told you I didn't know that I came from abuse and you're thinking, how is that possible? Oh, it's possible. When I was in my early 20s and I was dating my now husband, I was falling apart. And now you have to understand that at this time, I actually did have my first degree and I was certified as a therapist and I was practicing. But my parents did not believe in therapy, so my parents did not believe in mental health issues. And I had been through some very, very traumatic experiences. I was not dealing with it well, and my parents' grand advice for me was to pull up my big girl pants and get on with life. Uh, That wasn't working, and I was breaking down every time I turned around. So my best friend and my boyfriend both told me at separate times, you need to get some help. Like, what do you mean I need to get some help? What are you talking about? And they're like, you need to go see somebody. Okay. So I went to see somebody, and I started talking about the most – current abuse that I had experienced, the most traumatic event that I felt I had gone through. And she looked at me and she said, that's really hard. And by the way, you're suffering from PTSD and depression. I looked at her, I'm like, you mean I'm not crazy? She's like, no, you're not crazy. Oh my word, what a relief. I thought I was crazy. I could not control my emotions to save my life, I could not sleep, I could not eat, I could not function, and I didn't know why. So I loved this woman. She started asking me some background questions and I started answering her questions and she looked at me and she said, and by the way, you've had a lot of abuse in your life. What? No. I have a very loving family who has always been there for me. She's like, no, you haven't. Oh, I haven't? No. Well, that explains why I hated myself growing up. And that explains why I always wanted to run away from home. And that explains why in college I wanted to die. And that explains why I never felt like I was part of my family, like I never felt like I was accepted for who I was, Like I never felt like anybody had my back. Like I never felt like I had anybody to turn to, that I had to do everything by myself. All of a sudden, that explained all of that in one simple word, abuse. I was so relieved. That was when I realized that knowledge is power and that mental health issues are real. They're not made up. We are not crazy. And we need to learn from other people's experiences because we cannot take all of that on ourselves. That brings me to the psychological spoke and how to do it in a healthy way. Now, why do I have to say that mental health issues are real? Because the vast majority of the population does not believe that they are. When you say, I have depression, they go, oh yeah, I've been depressed too. I am not talking about having a bad day. I am not talking about a little bout of sadness. And I am not talking about the depression that comes from having to grieve. I am talking about a chemical imbalance that causes such pain that you think ending your life is the solution. That's what I'm talking about. When people say, I have anxiety, and the response is, oh yeah, I can't handle being in front of crowds. That is not what I'm talking about. I am talking about the type of issue that blinds you to reality, that overwhelms you with every single thing coming into your senses to the point where you shut down. My daughter would go into such anxiety attacks that she couldn't see out of them. She could not, she would rage and I could not reach her. When people are talking about mental health issues, they are talking about things that they have no control over. When we talk as a society and state that there is a stigma that goes with mental health issues, and everyone agrees, yes, there is. And then the people who don't believe that there are mental health issues or that they are exaggerated or that they don't come from a place where you can't control them, they are perpetuating that stigma. They are telling you, yeah, yeah, I know, there's a stigma, but don't talk about your mental health issues because I don't want to know what's going on with you. I don't believe it. Uh, That's the stigma these people who think we're faking it. We're not faking it. It's like claiming that I'm faking asthma or a heart attack or I just broke my arm and I'm just exaggerating. Now, I will tell you that the reason people get away with the stigma and the reason that people get away with hurting us and causing some of these mental health issues is because we believe that we are the problem. We believe on the psychological spoke that we're causing this, that this is our fault, that if we could just fix this one little thing or just do this one little thing different, that we wouldn't be having this problem. Now, I know that this kind of ties into abuse a little bit and sorry for that but abuse does affect a lot of mental health issues so there is a lot of overlap in here and you're going to hear that Uh, so my brother loved to use guilt to perpetuate my mental health issues he loved to guilt me into doing stuff hurt me torture me be very very cruel and then tell me that it was my fault i was making it up and I just had to be certain ways. Okay, this was the same brother that claimed that he didn't have to learn anything from anybody else. He could learn it all on his own. So I ask you, who's the real crazy one? The one who is trying to please her brother or the one who claims that he can't learn anything from anybody else? (laughs) Yeah, if you guessed me, you're wrong. So the thing that I would ask those non-believers is to stop perpetuating the stigma. Stop looking at people who have actual mental health issues in derision. Stop claiming that your little issue is a mental health issue. That, in all honesty, is dismissing their issues. That's just like going to somebody who's wearing a heart monitor and they say, my heart doesn't work correctly. And you say, oh, I know. I have to breathe hard when I exert myself too." What? That is not a heart issue. That's normal functioning. Please do not claim that your normal functioning is a mental health issue. That perpetuates the stigma. Just like when people self-diagnose. Oh, I love that. It's like when a doctor, you walk into them and they say, what's wrong? And you say, well, I have streptomeningitis coxal flu. And he goes, what? Where'd you get that? Google. Ah, Google. Yeah. So my... 18 years of schooling and residency and practice, (laughs) all replaced by Google. No, doctors hate it, so do therapists. Therapists hate it when you walk in and you say, hey, by the way, this is what is going on with me. No, it's not. I have had many, many clients like to self-diagnose. Now, you've heard me give the analogy of the sink and the toilet. The problem with self-diagnosing is that it fixes the wrong issue. Liking things clean is not having OCD. Uh, Being selfish is not being narcissistic. Crying is not having depression. Having a little bit of fear of speaking in front of people is not anxiety. Now, having a lot of fear of speaking in front of people can be. That's different. (laughs) Just like wanting things clean, needing things clean, not being able to function if things aren't exactly clean is OCD. I have a lot of people with mental health issues who perpetuate the stigma because they don't like the mental health issue that they have and they want a different one. I had a client, oh, he was a special soul, and he was always coming into my office self-diagnosing. Mandy, I have psychosis. Oh, do you now? Yes, I do. And why do you think that? Well, basically because I don't want depression. Oh, is that it? <laughs> yes, it is. Okay. So you tell me what you think psychosis is going to do for you. Well, I know that I hear voices. Oh, so thinking in your head is hearing voices. Yes. Okay. And what else? Well, I don't think nice things about other people. (laughs) I don't either. (laughs) Nobody does. People will put those thoughts in their heads so that they don't say them out loud, not psychosis. All right, Here is here was my favorite. He just wouldn't let it go. And he said, I'm gonna hurt myself. Oh, are you? Yes, I am. Oh, okay. So you won't let go of this psychosis thing. No, I will not. All right, well then if you're not gonna let it go, I'm gonna treat it like psychosis and here is what I get to do. And I listed off the things that I got to do if he actually had psychosis. I said, Do you want me to do those things? No. I said, Then do you have psychosis? No. I said, What do you have? Depression. Okay, are you willing to let me help you with the depression? Yes. Until a couple of weeks later, and he comes in and he says, Mandy, I'm gay. No, you aren't. Yes, I am. Oh my word, here we go again. You really want me to treat you as you're gay? And you just went out on a date with a girl and you're brokenhearted because she wouldn't marry you. Yeah, he was a bit impulsive. Um, So not that I think that being gay is a mental health issue, but I do know a lot of people who will claim being gay so that they don't have to deal with their mental health issues. And that's a whole other issue. So that's why I'm saying that. All right. I had somebody and I've told you this before, who was actually having a psychotic break, and everybody came to me and said, "I think he's OCD." I'm like, "I don't think so." I actually had a client who was um, I diagnosed with schizoaffective disorder. Now, that is a really bad mental health issue, and it's very, very difficult to deal with, but he didn't want it. He did not want it, and so he wanted DID. He wanted disassociative identity disorder and he kept pushing it and he'd go and he'd read and I'm like, you're just reading me from the textbook or the Google or the app that you just looked up before you walked into my office because if you actually had it, you wouldn't know these things about it and he just wouldn't let it go and I finally had to tell him. I will treat you for schizoaffective disorder, but I will not treat you for DID. So if you want to be treated for DID, you've got to go someplace else. I won't do it. And he said, then I will go someplace else. That was how adamant he was about having a different disorder than the one that he had. So people with very severe mental health issues can also perpetuate the stigma because they don't want the one that isn't popular. They want the one that they think will garner the most attention or the most support or be the easiest to fix or just be different than their one that they're dealing with. All right, so a couple of points about the psychological spoke and having mental health issues. There are two things that I would really like you to look at on this spoke. One is, what is truth? (laughs) I know, that could be considered my mantra, right? But with the mental health issues, the thing about that is, truth is relative under these circumstances. Uh, Perception is experience under these circumstances. We only understand about 10% of the mind. So that is one of the reasons why you can get different diagnoses from different people. That's another reason why you have to really shop around and find somebody who has enough experience to help you because book learning only takes you so far when you're dealing with things of the mind. I told you that I learned from other people's experiences. I look at their mental health issues. I look at how they've dealt with them. I've looked at what works and what doesn't work for them and what has worked and what hasn't worked for me. And I kind of build a platform based off of that. Now, when I say truth is relative in this situation, what I mean is there are standard truths that there is no question to. However, there are relative truths that are truthful that are truthful to the person in that time. A situation for me can be traumatic and triggering where it isn't for somebody else. That is my truth. That is my experience. And that needs to be allowed to be my truth and my experience just because it isn't triggering to you doesn't mean that I don't have an issue so even with our own personal mental health issues when we're sitting here going I must be crazy because nobody else is agreeing with me if you think you're crazy chances are you aren't because you're looking at it and going, nobody else is experiencing this. Well, of course they aren't. That's because that is your truth. That is your mental health issue. Just like nobody else around the heart attack victim is experiencing the heart attack. That is their truth in the moment, not everybody else's, right? Okay, so I need you to consider that. When somebody tells you that you have these mental health issues, Just because nobody else around them has them doesn't mean you don't. My pregnancies, I've told you this before, were life-threatening. And my mom just had a rough time wrapping her head around that. And she even went to my doctor and she said, where does this come from? Because nobody else in our family has had this. Okay, nobody else in the family needs to have that for me to be experiencing that, do they? Well, apparently in my mom's world, yes. But in my world, I was experiencing that. I was not exaggerating it. It was happening. And that was my truth. That was my reality. That was my experience. So when you are having these truths happen to you, don't dismiss them. That is the first step to having a healthy psychological spoke is that you need to accept that these things are happening to you. As soon as I accepted that I had PTSD, I could deal with it. I could manage it. I didn't have to go around thinking that I was crazy and there was something that was just, I was making it up and something was horribly, horribly wrong and and I was exaggerating and blah, 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 right? No, I had PTSD. Great. Now let me manage it. Let me deal with it. Let me learn from it. Let me believe and experience it so that I can process it and move forward. The next point about mental health issues and the psychological spoke is that it isn't a right or wrong situation. It is a healthy or unhealthy situation because right and wrong in this situation can also be relative. So you have to go with what's healthy or what's not healthy. Now, I have worked a lot of drug treatment. I also grew up with an addict. And like I told you, my grandpa was an addict. So I know addiction. I know addicts. Um, I know addiction. I know addicts. Now... That doesn't mean that I have ever been an addict. I have not. In fact, I have not actually recreationally used drugs. That is not something I have ever done. I watched what it did. I watched what it did to my brother. I watched what it did to my family and I watched what it took away from me. My brother's addiction took away my childhood. It took away my teenage years. It took away my family. My life was not mine. Our entire existence was centered around my brother's addiction. It is a very, very selfish issue and the addict doesn't care that it's a selfish issue. So when I was growing up, I wouldn't even take an aspirin because I was terrified of that happening to me. Now, as I understood addiction better when I got older, I realized that aspirin isn't addicting and that I am not an addict. I don't have any addictive tendencies whatsoever, which thank goodness for me. I have other issues, but I became a lot more rational about it. I am just saying that that is where I came from. All right, so I'm working drug treatment. Now, the thing that I get told when I'm working drug treatment all the time is, Mandy, you're very clean. Yeah, I know, I come across that way. I don't drink, I don't smoke, I don't swear. I do come across as very clean. All right, so we would get these new patients coming in And they would go to my coworkers and they would say, I hate Mandy. There is absolutely no way that she can understand what I am going through and she can't help me and I don't know why she's here working here. And And they would always say, well, talk to her, ask her. Because I was very, very good at helping addicts because I understood them so well. And they would come to me, what makes you think that you can help me when you've never been addicted to anything? Ah, that's a good question. All right. Now you think about that for a minute. You think about what your answer would be. And while you're thinking about that, realize that an addict will throw everything back in your face. So if I had said, well, my brother was an addict, they would say, well, that's your brother, not you. So you still can't help me. If I said, well, I know what addiction does, they could say only on the outside, not on the inside. All right? Do you, do you see what I'm saying? They'll throw everything back at you. You don't get me. You don't understand me. So what's the one thing that I could say that would stop them in their tracks and realize that I could help them without being an addict? I'm going to give you just a moment of silence to think about it, or you can pause this. Okay, so my response was that I don't have to kill somebody to know that murder will ruin my life. Oh, you mean I can learn from somebody else's experience? That's healthy. Unhealthy is not being able to do that. So, in order to be healthy on the psychological spoke, you have to actually deal with things in a healthy way. Oh, that's so weird, right? Okay, but how do I deal with things in a healthy way, Mandy? Okay, I ask three questions. How does it affect you? How does it affect your community around you, your social circle, and how does it affect society? If you can answer healthy to all three of those questions, then it's healthy. If you, can, if you answer unhealthy to one of those questions, then you need to look at it and make a change. If you answer unhealthy to two of those questions, it is unhealthy, and you need to uh, do something very different. If you answer unhealthy to all three of those things, you need to run away from that behavior or that person or that situation immediately because it is beyond unhealthy. All right, let me give an example for this going to work. Ah, that's a weird one, isn't it? No, it's not. Because there are workaholics out there and that is unhealthy. All right. So how how does going to work benefit you? All right. It brings in money so that you can pay your bills, so that you can take care of yourself, so that you can have your needs and wants met. It also helps you be productive. If you are in a healthy environment and a healthy job and a healthy place workwise, right? Okay. Two, how does it help the your social circle, circle around you? I'm talking friends, family, coworker. Well, if you like your job, then you are interacting better in a healthy way with your coworkers. If you are providing for your wants and needs, then you have time and space for friends and family. You can also benefit them monetarily if necessary, right? Or you can help them with whatever you're learning on your job. My one brother, he is in business and helps my family and me with business questions all the time. Very healthy, very beneficial. All right. Third one, How does it help society? Well, you are contributing to society in a good, productive way. You are helping the economy because you are doing something in the workforce that is providing jobs for other people, that it is making you a productive member of society. In the U.S., we have what's called a tax base, and you are contributing to the tax base of the community that you are living in, what helps that community pay for police and construction and all those other lovely things that we hate to deal with, but are necessary. You see how all three of those things are healthy. So if you can answer that way to those three questions, then that's good. How does this go with the psychological spoke and mental health issues? All right, well, let's look at depression. If you are not managing your depression, how does that affect you? Well, it keeps you from taking care of yourself. It isolates you and it makes you want to hurt yourself, which will remove you from your life and from society, right? I've also told you that depression is 100% negative and 100% selfish. So all you're putting out there in your own life is negative and selfish. Those are not healthy things. All right. So how does that affect your community, the people around you, your social circle? Well, you don't want to have connection with any of them. You don't like what they're doing. You question or control everything. I have people who are spinning in their depression who say, I want this person in my life to say this or say this or say this. I'm like, that's not your call. Uh, When my husband gets into his depression, it is incredibly selfish and rude and self-centered and mean, and I hate it, and I don't like it taking over my household. And so I have to kick it out because it does not contribute in a healthy way at all. How does it affect the community, society? Well, you don't. You aren't productive at work. You don't like to be around people. You don't like to help others. You are not a productive member of society and you are very negative and you are hurting the people around you and so they're not being productive in society. Do you see how all of that is unhealthy? So if you are not managing your depression, you are unhealthy on all three of those counts and you need to run away from that as fast as you can, meaning you need to start managing your depression instead of letting it control and take over everything. So I hope that giving that example of asking those three questions and seeing what answers you come up with, whether healthy or unhealthy, you can see how to start managing mental health issues in a healthy way, and therefore make your psychological spoke healthy and strong.